Well, thanks, Caitlin. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you, even though it's virtual. Um, one of the things I've been missing during COVID-19 is my NBA basketball. Usually at this time of year, we would be enjoying the excitement of the playoffs. And locally, we have been fortunate in recent years to have enjoyed three world championships with the Golden State Warriors. And, and of course, with sports, naturally, there are opposing teams that as a fan, you love to root against. I saw this sign once while I was riding BART into the city. The sign read, love thy neighbor unless thy neighbor is a Laker. Sorry, Pastor Ben. Sorry, Denny. Well, forgive me for starting on a lighter note because these past few months have been crazy on a variety of levels. Kind of have to remember to laugh sometimes or else you'll get so depressed and heartbroken. With the pandemic, the economy, and what happened in Minnesota, Georgia, and Kentucky, many of us are doing a lot of grieving and soul searching. God has placed on my heart to take seriously what it means to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor is one of the greatest commands that God has given to all of us. And I want us to meditate on this command, especially in these chaotic times, and see how seriously we will apply it in our own lives. Today's Bible passage, which Caitlin just read earlier, a Jewish lawyer who was likely well-versed in God's law challenged Jesus with a question. In Luke 10, verses 25 to 28, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He, Jesus, said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he, the lawyer, answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. For me, this, this lawyer seemed to be more concerned with his own religious purity than caring for others. He apparently had no problems with the command about loving God, but he had some misgivings and questions about loving his neighbor. Because the scripture says the lawyer desired to justify himself and asked Jesus a second question regarding the second command. Luke 10 verse 29 says, but he, the lawyer, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? The lawyer, I believe, wanted to know what was the minimum he could do legalistically to check off that box marked, love your neighbor. In his mind, his neighbors were people he liked and people he normally hung out with. And with, with them, he can easily justify himself, fulfilling the second criteria to inherit eternal life. And many of us probably would not think twice about this lawyer's take on whom a neighbor could be. However, Jesus has a more radical defi definition for a neighbor. Jesus saw into the man's heart and saw his intent. And he began to tell him a story that illustrated what God means to love your neighbor. In this current series, we have been asking the question, what is COVID-19 revealing about God? And what is COVID-19 revealing about us? Some of the things about us are good, and some of the things are not so good. Recently, I, I heard a radio commercial for a major insurance company. Many of us are very familiar with this company's jingle. 
like a good neighbor. That question asked, a, that commercial asked a question, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? Reflecting on this critical question would be so helpful to nudge us to make a difference in this world. Actually, some of us need a swift kick in the butt. An, app, an application maybe for this week is to take time to apply that question. What is a good neighbor to yourself? And listen to what God may say to you. Today, I think we have a problem. During the season of shelter in place, it is easy to get complacent while staying in our homes, like cocoons, and focusing only on our own safety and needs. Self-preservation and self-interest become our dominant concern. And if not careful, we can be overly insular and inward focused versus being caring for others and outward focused. If we allow this to happen, we are in danger of being insensitive, tone deaf, even blind to injustices in this world. And that is what I believe Jesus was revealing to the lawyer in our story. Jesus stretches our common understanding of the radical love we ought to have for others as his followers. And Jesus intentionally challenged the lawyer's bias of race, a barrier or boundary that the lawyer had, a justice issue deeply embedded in this story. So what does it mean to be a good neighbor? So let's go back to Luke 10, verses 30 to 35, and see what Jesus has to say. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, which happens to be two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, to take care of him and whatever more you need, uh, or you need to spend, I will repay you when I come back. In this story, in this parable, a man is going to Jericho from Jerusalem, and he is assaulted and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. The ethnicity of the injured man is not mentioned. In contrast, two people who would be considered upstanding, respectable religious men by the original audience for this story were identified as Jewish a priest and a Levite. Both walk past the injured man and avoid helping him. Now, in their defense, many in those times would not blame the priest or Levite because their perspective of violating their religious purity by engaging with an unclean person and hence disqualify them from their religious duties as a priest and a Levite was not acceptable and justification enough to walk past on the other side of the road. Yet Jesus shocked the Jewish Lord by saying the person who stopped to give aid to the injured man was a Samaritan. Now, if you, if you did not know, Samaritans were viewed as enemies of the Jewish people. They were considered racially inferior, half-breeds, unclean, irreligious. Jesus was saying a good neighbor is not like the priest or the Levite who didn't care but walked away. 
So who did care? Luke 10, verse 36 to 37, Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. It is the Samaritan who has compassion and helps the injured man. Even realizing the obvious answer, the lawyer could not even say Samaritan with his own lips, possibly because of his own racism and hatred. Jesus is telling us that a true neighbor is one that has compassion and shows mercy to another. Being of the same race or tribe has nothing to do with being neighbors. Jesus told the lawyer to be like the Samaritan and for us to not be like the lawyer. To be like the Samaritan, many of us will need to raise our compassion threshold for others, especially when that person is in our worldview, someone so different from us, and maybe people we have othered ourselves. And I confess, I'm guilty of this too. Now, some of you may not be familiar with the term or verb to other. To other is to see or treat a person or a group of people as different and alien to oneself. Process of, of othering are based on race, gender, social class, sexual orientation, just to name a few. People who are othered are viewed as inferiors or social outcasts, aliens or foreigners. In our story, the injured man can be seen as an outcast because the two so-called upstanding men, the priest and the Levite, treat him as such and walk past him as if he was a leper. Or in today's context, a homeless person on the sidewalk. But Jesus calls us to a radical kind of love, that loving our neighbor has no boundaries, including racial ones. This will definitely force, out, force us out of our comfort zones. We get a better idea of what this looks like from Matthew 5, verses 44 to 45. Jesus told his followers how extreme this love is, his disciples likely had a hard time understanding this kind of love because it is humanly unimaginable. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. I mean, your enemies? Seriously, Jesus? How can you honestly love people you consider your enemies? Well, God's plan for reconciliation is not just with God vertically, but also with all humanity horizontally. That sounds so crazy, but God calls us to be agents of reconciliation, which includes all races. The cross is a powerful image of Jesus reconciling us to God so that we can be reconciled with all humans as one family of God. During this pandemic, we are seeing a rise in hate crimes towards Asian Americans and people of Asian descent around the world. From social shunning and discrimination, verbal abuse and threats, attacks and beatings. COVID-19, I believe, is just uncovering hate and injustices that have been hidden underground or worse ignored, but now are rising up into full view. A friend of mine, uh, Dr. Russell Jung, chair of the Department of Asian American Studies at San Francisco State, has helped start a website for Asian Americans to report incidents of racism against them as a result of COVID-19. 
In a little over a month since the startup of the website, over 1,500 accounts of discrimination have been recorded, and the number is rising daily. When we heard our government administration use Chinese virus instead of coronavirus, many of us heard the dog whistle. Dog whistle is a political term for a coded message to a targeted group of people. We knew this would encourage non-Asian people's hostility towards Asians. History is repeating itself to scapegoat a race. Familiar cries of yellow peril from the past are again being heard. Some of you are thinking, I'm making a big deal out of nothing. For some of us, this is real, folks. The ugliness of racial profiling is happening again. Being Asian has been falsely made the face of the coronavirus. In, in January, when news was spreading of COVID-19 in China, my wife, Terry, and I were traveling. And in a Southern California hotel elevator, we encountered two white businessmen. One of, uh, one of them asked us, so where are you folks coming from? I was tired having just come off a long cross-country plane ride. I quickly answered without thinking much of the question, um, Florida? The man snapped back, no, where are you really from? It was like cold water thrown into my face. I realized he was asking a question that I've dealt with over and over again in my over six decades of life. I am being othered again. Even being born American, I am not fully recognized as American because of the Asian color of my skin by dominant culture. In my home group, one of our members shared a week ago that on the way to work while waiting for the bus, a man came up to her and verbally assaulted her blaming her being Asian for bringing the COVID-19 virus into America. He shouted, you people brought this disease and people are dying and businesses are shut down, causing people to lose their jobs. This race hate was a shock for us in our home group to hear because it was with someone we personally knew. That night, we prayed for our friend because she was pretty shaken up by the incident. The racism virus is alive and doing well in America. Besides racial tension rising, another thing that COVID-19 is revealing is the injustices of the cost of the pandemic on people of color and the socioeconomically marginalized. We are not in reality experiencing the pandemic equally the same way. We are not in it together. The rates of infection and death in the African-American, Latinx, and Asian American communities are higher than any other racial demographic groups in the country. There are many underlying factors causing this, but one is likely that people of color have jobs that often do not have the privilege of working at home or the luxury of not working at all. And with the socioeconomically poor, access to good health care is not easily available or affordable, and they have to live in close, dense quarters. These injustices have been around for a long time and are systemic. They can't, can't be solved overnight, but we cannot also bury our heads in the sand and be blind to them and do nothing. People of all colors, especially those who follow Jesus, must work together to defeat these social injustices. We can't allow wedges to come between us to divide. 
That is why our church partners up with other ministries like Living Hope Neighborhood Church in Richmond or City Team Oakland, where Asians, African-Americans, Latinx, whites, and others are working together to serve the under-resourced through meals, food and clothing banks, eye screenings, or overseas with our partners like Freely and Hope, who help girls and women who have suffered sexual violence in Africa, or help orphanages at Arms of Love in Central America and in Naga, India. That is what Jesus means to be a good neighbor. The big idea today for my talk is love your neighbor, has no boundaries, so go and love another. A practical application from our Bible story is that we are to be like the Samaritan who is identified by Jesus as having compassion for the injured man who is an outcast or other in today's language. Compassion is not the same as empathy, but empathy, the ability to take the perspective and feelings of another person is the first step that leads to compassion, which is the desire to tangibly help those one empathizes with like how the Samaritan tangibly cared for the injured man's wounds, took him to an inn to heal and mobilize others like the innkeeper to care for him together. Compassion is not empty or actionless. Erna Kim Hackett, who works with InterVarsity Justice Programs, is a biracial Asian American. In a recent blog, she tells about the current anti-Asian sentiments coming out of COVID-19 and the importance of all people, all people groups to have a shared awareness for justice. She writes, what we are experiencing in this moment as a community is a small taste of the anti-blackness that has formed this country down to its DNA. And empathy is radical. It is an empathy that cannot sit silently by when someone's humanity is violated in any way. Our empathy must expand us to hold and see the humanity of all humans and care about what is happening to them and seeks God for a radically just and loving response. She ends with, if this experience of trauma can build solidarity instead of animosity, then amen. Empathy cannot be just for our own ethnicity. Empathy is of no practical use unless it leads to compassion, and compassion should compel us to some sort of action. Martin Luther King Jr. gave this take on a parable of the Good Samaritan. One day, we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. Edifices are structures of our society that harbor institutional injustices need to be transformed. Wouldn't it be a wonderful world if the roads of life could be made safe so men and women of all colors are not beaten and robbed, whether literally or figuratively? Dr. King couldn't be more prophetic for our current times in calling for justice for the Ahmad Arbery's in this world who are attacked for simply jogging on the road, just like the man in our parable traveling on the road to Jericho. Or for the EMT worker, Breonna Taylor, who was killed in her own home from a police no-knock warrant. Shared awareness and lamenting together is a start. 
allow God to change your heart attitude. Feel outrage and mourn in solidarity for a black man like George Floyd, who died when a white police officer had his knee on his neck. Compounding my anger and sadness in, in that incident was that an Asian American officer was standing nearby and doing nothing to stop it. We Asians must reject the model minority label and not be complicit with dominant culture sins because we have our own racial baggage to deal with. Again, my big idea is love your neighbor, has no boundaries, so go and love another. This week, make a decision to practically help some ministry serving those who are suffering the most during this pandemic. Each week, we highlight many opportunities to help. Choose something and just do it. Let's work together to make a dent on injustice in this world, one day at a time, one life at a time. On top of that, I, I challenge all of us to learn more about social justice, familiarize ourselves with ethnic histories, read books on the topic, listen to podcasts on the issue, study what the Bible says so as God's people, we are not blind, but can see the injustices all around us. Don't be silent. Speak out when you see them. And I'm not naive to think that imperfect humans can create a perfect society that has no injustices. Only the return of Jesus can do that. But we, especially the church, can at least be a stopgap while we are waiting for his return. Amen? So who's a good neighbor? It's a person who has conversations with a person of a different culture and hears his or her story to show care, especially about their pain and suffering. Don't ignore, deny, judge, debate, rationalize. Just listen. That's empathy and compassion. I started with basketball and I wanna close with basketball. Basketball is a sport I love. I had played for over 50 years but I had to pretty much give it up because I'm ancient now and old injuries are catching up to me. The last time I was hooping it up regularly, uh, I was with a bunch of dads on Friday, Friday nights and most of us were Asian. We would rent gyms for our pickup games and, and one night while shooting around to warm up, I heard the custodian yell, hey you, what are you doing here? I turned my head to look over at all the commotion and saw this custodian who was white confronting a young African-American male. You could feel the tension in the air. You know what happened next? We rushed over to our friend and said, he's with us. That's what it means to be a good neighbor, just like the Samaritan. And as Jesus told a lawyer, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we so desperately need you in a times like this. Help us as we mourn and lament the many injustices in our world. Change us, Lord, to have more compassion for others. We are called to love our neighbors, and we acknowledge we can't do this by ourselves. May the Holy Spirit give us the power to do this so that we can love people in the name of Jesus, in whose name I pray now. Amen. Good morning, everyone.
Pastor Calvin, thank you for speaking prophetically this morning. And um, I, I hope it's okay. I, I don't think I, I have to ask for permission, but um, Calvin closed in prayer, and I would like to also pray as well. Just standing in solidarity with, with Calvin, of course, and um, with all of you. Um, can't think of a better way to respond to Calvin's message than through prayer. And then as I'm praying, I'm going to pause in the middle to give, to give everyone a chance for you to, to pray um, for yourselves. So if you would uh, bow your heads and close your eyes and join me as we respond in prayer. Father, um, King David in Psalm 13, he uh, prayed and he lamented. And, and so I, I want to pray his words. He said, how long, O Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And Father, if I may add a line, how long, O Lord, will our nation be torn apart by racial tension and injustice? How long shall our black brothers and sisters feel and experience that their lives do not matter? Father, we don't want to rush into judgment, but at the same time, the videos that we saw and the reports that we read seem to cry injustice. Father, when I read the account of what happened to George Floyd, I wept. This is not how you have called the people you have made who bear your image. It's not how we should treat one another. This is not neighbor love. And Father, we do not have the full account of everything that happened. You alone know every angle there is to see. But what we saw and what we heard was enough to break our hearts. Father, this is a prayer of lament. We join with David and with the black community in saying, how long? How long? Why does this keep happening over and over again? Police brutality, institutional racism, African-American life that's precious to you is cheapened and disregarded and tossed aside. Father, forgive us because we are very prone towards racism. And the same racism that we hear about in these violent acts, if we are truly, truly honest, we admit that it also lives inside each one of us and that we have the same vulnerability, that we have all sinned and fallen short, that we are all in the same boat. Father, as an Asian American, I am tempted to think that this, these racial matters are a black and white issue, not a yellow one. And yet you have given a voice to Christians of every race, including myself as an Asian American Christian. And as an Asian American Christian, I have benefited from the freedom and the equality that African Americans have fought on behalf of all minorities. 
Perhaps as an Asian American, I'm quick to cry racism when it is against Asian Americans, but slow when it is aimed at another color and race. Forgive us for wanting to stay silent, for not wanting to be involved, for not wanting to be the nail that sticks out because it often gets hammered. Help us to have courage. Help us to cultivate our care. Help us to engage and to find our unique voice. Father, we would like to be a church that not only loves your word, but cares deeply about the world around us as well that is broken and deeply hurting. I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is not just the truth that we love, but it is the healing that the world so desperately needs. It is, as Paul called it, the ministry of reconciliation. I thank you that Jesus sacrificed his life to forgive our sins and to bring people of every tribe and every nation and every ethnicity together under one banner. And this is our undying hope. But now we lament and we care and we stand with our black brothers and sisters who are hurting. And Lord, you said in your word that when one part of the body suffers, every part suffers along with it. Our black brothers and sisters in Christ are hurting today. And they've been actually hurting for a very long time. We care about them. Help us to empathize. Help us to be a good neighbor and to stand with them in care. And and now everyone who's um, online, this would be an opportunity for you to pray. Uh, You can say your own prayer of lament. I'll give you maybe uh, just a, a minute to do that. Or you can turn, if you're watching with your family, you can go ahead and pray together with your family. But now's the time for you to pray. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a minute to do that.